Kia ora and hello to our Cinema in Context listeners. It's Jeremy here, and I thought I'd jump in and say a massive thank you to all of you who come every month and listen to Cinema in Context. It means a huge deal to Sarah, William, and myself. And we thought this month we would share with you our extended episode. This is something we record for our Patreon, and we've been doing it for the last year. We talk about a third film that we would group with these two movies, a moment we would change from one of the films, and our favourite moment from either Gladiator or Napoleon. So, think of it as an early Christmas present, or just a gift from us to you. A massive shout out to each and every one of you. Please enjoy this month's extended episode of Cinema in Context. Welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chen. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. Or in the case of this month, it's all three. Yeah! <laughs> we are discussing nice. uh, Gladiator, which came out in the year 2000, and Napoleon, which came out this year, 2023. The connection being they are both historical epics directed by Sir Ridley Scott, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Right, Gladiator. William, give us a bit of an introduction to this 2000 film. Righty-ho. Gladiator is the tale of Maximus Decimus Meridius. A general or commander of the Roman legion, wrongfully wronged, <laughs> left for dead, fighting his way up back to Rome as the eponymous titular gladiator. Mm. Along the way, he inspires his fellow gladiators. He uncovers political intrigue and he takes the fight back to the emperor, uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix, uh, the slumbering coward who wronged him. Nice. And Napoleon, give us a bit of a overview of this latest offering from Sir Ridley Scott. So. Alors, so, uh, <laughs> Sir Ridley, uh, he has made a film in uh, 2023 um, called Napoleon. And it's this time, Joaquin Phoenix has gone from best supporting actor up to... Well, I would not say best actor, but he is at least the lead role. Most actor. He is the most actor. Uh, although, thankfully, he was spared being in Gucci, which had all, all the awards for most acting. But anyway, um, so, yeah, so Napoleon Bonaparte, a real historical figure played by Joaquin Phoenix. And it is an historical epic that is a little bit more... Um, grounded in the truth of, or, or the truth in inverted commas, of Napoleon's life. Um, Napoleon, uh, again, ascending in power from being a successful general all the way up to being the emperor of France. And it incorporates the uh, trajectory, his military trajectory of successes on the battlefield, uh, intertwined with his love affair with the very famous Josephine. Um, uh, yes, uh, played by Vanessa Kirby who is not French, (laughs) but uh, she is very British and she does the British accent very well. Mm, Nice. Excellent. Mm. It is worth saying that we will be spoilering both films. I don't think either movies are, you know, you don't go into it for the plot twists Mm. because Mm. they're both relative historical accounts. Mm. I mean, Gladiator is a little bit more fabricated. Fabricated? Mm. Um, uh, No, fabricated. Mm. Uh, And so, yeah, but still, there's some good surprises in here you may want to um, have on your own. And so pause this episode and come back to it at a future date 
if you find yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. All right, who wants to kick us off with either film? Uh, I'm just going to rip the band-aid off and say um, I am so sorry once again. As with some other very, very famous films before, uh, Gladiator was on my list of shame. Oh. Uh, you had never seen it before? I had seen many, many scenes from Gladiator. Wow. This time around, in the year 2023, was the first time I sat down, turned on Netflix, and watched it from beginning to end. Wow, what did you think? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Uh, I am kicking myself for not, you know, discovering this in its entirety back when I was younger, because I think I would have maybe he liked it even more especially when it came out it's i think it really <laughs> this is the first time seeing it but it holds up yeah you know. yeah yeah um, it, you're right it doesn't yeah. date it doesn't no not it, there's it, not it an aspect of it that feels dated strangely timeless yeah um, especially as we were talking about jeremy like a lot of what gladiator uh, puts forth in terms of its visuals its style and also its its overall uh, sentimentality it's it's basically what HBO has been aping for the last decade. Mm, um, mm. I mean, you know, directly with Rome. Mm. But oh my gosh, Game of Thrones owes this movie a paycheck because mm. so much of the visual stylings and kind of the the political machinations and the dialogue of Game of Thrones seems to be taken whole cloth from what was set up in Gladiator. Right, mm, right. Yeah. I agree. I think there's some just some incredible elements of this that have influenced television and film in the last 23 years. Mm. I do want to push back on the dated bit a little you, bit. Oh, yeah? Because I think mm-hmm. some of the cinematography is... Oh, wait, wait, the slow-mo, the blurry... And, fum, fum, fum. Yeah, and the zooms in <laughs> and... I mean, there's stylistic choices that I will accept yeah. in the world of Gladiator, but I do think there are some choices here. And just the... Um, I guess what the film... How the film is appealing to an audience, like it very much is set up as a popcorn flick to kind of appeal to the masses. Like when you get to the points where... Because um, I know that they re-edited the, who's who's the act the character Oliver the Reed who died yeah who died who dies. yeah so yeah. they changed his kind of ending so Oliver Reed died in real life he plays Proximo the uh, the slave dealer mm. that's right so he died yeah. during the filming yeah they said there was a little bit of CGI at the end yeah. yeah and they give him a more favorable ending so they edited that at the end I think because of his death but also in I guess editing the movie they thought oh he's really likable and, right. and we want yeah. to give him a bit more of a you know because if you think about it the last filmed scene with him is him effectively coming to Russell Crowe's character and just being like mm, nah stuff yeah I'm gonna go off and do my own thing you can that's right yeah, yeah. And um, then, then he has the uh, post the redemption po- posthumous redemption yeah. where he looks at his sword yeah and so there's that whole sequence where they attack the compound which is kind of ridiculous and then by the time you get to the emperor fighting him in the ring I thought Oh, this is so silly. But Apparently, true. Yeah, really. Apparently, Commodus was one emperor because they are. I'm sorry to leap in. No, jump, but jump interestingly, in. something I didn't realize when I first saw Gladiator, I thought it was a here's a general picture of life in Rome. But apparently, um, uh, Aurelius, the 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 um, the the emperor who's played by Richard Harris, mm-hmm. who's, who's killed at the beginning, mm. Commodus. Um, uh, are real emperors, and apparently mm. Commodus was an emperor who yeah. would, who was known for, for. Did he die in that situation? Oh, I doubt it. No, I doubt I, it very I much. Think so. No, no, no. But but he he did yeah. at least used to get in the ring, and oh, and, okay. and I'm sure he will have also um, rigged it, wouldn't mm-hmm. he? You know, an emperor mm. like him wouldn't have got in the ring to fight proper gladiators yeah. if there wasn't some way that he could. Come out out on top. I, I was reading about this as well. Apparently, yeah, he was just this real populist guy. Yeah. And he wanted to be, you know, a hero of the people, so he would perform as a gladiator. 
And you notice how they're giving yeah. out big uh, loaves of bread. And you've heard mm-hmm. the phrase bread and circuses. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, you haven't? No. Oh, I think it's, it's some phrase to do with give the people what they want. The people want bread and circuses. Mm-hmm. And I thought probably it's Shakespeare. And you know, it probably is because that guy coined every bloody phrase, didn't he? <laughs> but, uh, but possibly not also. And, and, and that's so, I mean, it was quite conspicuously giving mm-hmm. out loaves of bread to the, the audience, a bit like they give us popcorn nowadays. I suppose, so that they sit there and they watch the circus of death in uh, front of them. So yeah, yeah, Commodus Populus guy. Mm, mm. Commodus Populus. I, that my, would have been a name. My reaction, because I watched the film when it came out and I, and I was younger and it was enjoyed it. Um, I sort of re-watching it, I both thought it was not that great, Gladiator, mm-hmm. but equally had such a good time. And I really appreciate... Not that great. Yeah, I just didn't... I don't know, it's just a little bit silly. I think it's a bit silly. I, I mean, oh. I, I love that it's a little bit silly. I mean, I kind of <laughs> like that as well, right? I felt that that, that tension. I was like, yeah. oh, Ridley Scott's making this really... Four words, Buffy popular. the Vampire ah, Slayer. That's all I know. can think right you now. You don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know, you're right. Uh, I, yeah. I, I love how at one moment you, you have Maximum... Uh, maximum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maximus, you know... Um, kind of thinking about his past, running his hand through those famous wheat fields. And then a split second later, a chariot literally bisects a gladiator and the blood and guts are spilling everywhere. A gladiatress! Like, yeah, no that's less. right, that's right. You know, how woman. rude! <laughs> but anyway, yes, yes. Um, and it's it's camp and With it's With a silly. literal blessed breastplate. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, right. Yeah. that's right. That's right. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, as much as I sound like I'm criticising this movie, mm-hmm. I think I'm just highlighting that that's part of the joy of this film. Yeah. And when you mm-hmm. read about the making of it, there's so much improvisation. Yeah. There's so, and not even just with the actors, I mean, just Ridley Scott literally making up stuff with the pieces he's got in front of him. Yeah. And just trusting the process. Yes. And mm-hmm. deciding things in the edit and, you know, just, it's, it's Although, got this joy about it. You know? Ridley mm-hmm. also, though, um, does a lot of his own storyboarding uh, and his own mm-hmm. designs. And for listeners, readers, watchers who don't know, you know, Ridley Scott came up, uh, he's British, and came up through the world of commercials. Mm. And uh, Mm. so that's part of the aesthetic side of him, isn't it? But the thing, and I'm so sorry, this is quite an exciting conversation, so I'm leaping in here. The thing about Gladiator that was so striking on a rewatch, and for me it was a many, many, many rewatch, but looking at it a bit more critically this time, and definitely comparing it to Napoleon, is the plot is still really Mm. good. It is well written, it is well scripted, I felt. I know it is a revenge tale, but my goodness, those are satisfying. There's such a clear through line. There's in the so whole it's thing. so clear. Everything yeah. that happens has something to do with something, and it was it was engaging. So for two mm. hours thirty seven or whatever it is, which is pretty long in those days, it felt like this is a whole movie. This is not just a, a period, um, a, a, a selection of cool set pieces. Although it's yeah. blooming that as well. Even the Connie Nielsen bits that didn't fall into a whole blatant nude love scene or anything like that, you know? Yeah. She's an interesting character, eh? Like, she... And she does a great job acting it. Yeah. And she's there as kind of this supporting role, almost a foil to um, Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. You know, and just yeah. just her predicament is so clear. Um, you know, she's there for her son. It is and, palpable, isn't it? Yeah. I thought that was very well done. Mm. It, You know, and it, yes, okay, there's tears coming down her face. I thought that was extremely well done, again, on a, a rewatch, to see that when she goes in to see <gasps> her brother is sitting with her treasured son and they're mm-hmm. cozying up to one another. And actually, Joaquin loves Lucius, but Joaquin, oh, you know what I mean, sorry, yeah. uh, the emperor loves Lucius, but he will do whatever it takes yeah. 
and that there is that fear of this child is the only thing I have left and it is my most precious thing and the terror mm. that this emperor has so much power. I think with that and with, you know, with Maximus's side of things and also with, with Commodus's side of things, um, if we're talking about our leads, uh, the character motivations are just so clear. Mm. I, I was chatting to you before, Jeremy, about how this is one of the perfect movies for a media studies class. Because mm. it's like nothing, nothing is left off the table, right? Um, you have very, very clean storytelling. You have characters that you can really sink your teeth in. Yeah, mm. they're not particularly complex characters, but mm. they don't need to be. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the villain is so punchable. Mm. When, he has these scenes where, you know, it's like, I, I find this vexing. Mm. I am vexed. Mm. <laughs> and then when Maximus is, is dealing the beat down at the end, you're just like, yeah, take him down. And yet, I mean, and yeah. and um, the brilliance of Commodus, mm-hmm. the, the, the emperor, is his vulnerability is writ large as well. Mm-hmm. And I do not suggest for a second even softy old Sarah at the table went, oh, I actually feel quite sorry for Commodus. Because he, I don't know, man, didn't Joaquin win Best Supporting Actor for that? Or was he, he was just nominated? He was definitely nominated. I don't know if he won it. He, well, and, and it is an extraordinary nuanced performance because he, 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 you're right, he's not a cartoon villain. The pain that he feels from the rejection from his father is acted so beautifully mm. when he's with uh, Richard Harris, um, when he's talking to his sister. I... I He's brilliant, and I do think that makes that adds to the power of it. Because mm-hmm. God bless Russell Crowe, and I don't, I'm not criticizing him, and I don't, I think he is a tremendous actor when he's a tremendous actor. And Maximus, as you say, very clear cut character, very clear revenge reasons, and all that, and I think he does it well. But his character, by its nature, is less emotive, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, how wonderful that Joaquin, who has more power in the character of the characters, gets to play all of the things, including the, the weepy, sorry, I just wanted him to love me. <laughs> and you know? It's so different to Eddie Redmayne and um, what's that movie that, uh, was it Jupiter Rising? Oh, oh I never saw that. <laughs> it's the same, it was the same role, isn't yeah. it? But just, was he awful? Well, he was deemed to be awful, wasn't he? People thought <laughs> of the worst performances. I don't think it was that bad, but it was... Pretty outrageous. Mm. Um, I, it's interesting because Russell Crowe, he did win the Best Actor for this, didn't he? He won mm-hmm. it two yeah. times in a mm-hmm. row because he yeah. did Beautiful Mind the next year. Mm. Um, and if that isn't showing range, I don't know what is. Yeah. I, I think that he, you know, we, we were joking before the, we started recording about him having an Australian accent. And he absolutely does, especially mm. in the opening battle sequence. It's like, <laughs> But only in little words. Like, yeah. mostly mm-hmm. he does it quite well. And then there'll be the odd word that gives it away. Yeah. Mm. And it's more like the why, or yeah. kind of, or he'll be a little bit nasal, or yeah. something like that. But then, do you know what I mean? But he's pretty good. Yeah, and I, but I think he does such a great job. He really grounds that film in a sense of, I just think earthiness. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, real. literally with, with the touching of the earth. Yeah. Uh, stoicism, masculinity, but but not like rah 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 masculinity. No, no, more no. like you know, I'm confident of myself and in myself. And because of this, this inner power, yes. he inspires those around him. Mm. You see it throughout the film. And it's... silently furious mm-hmm. as well, which is much more deadly yeah. than um, than a, an overtly, rah, rah, I'm the boss kind yeah. of person. And great snot acting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I always remember the snot on the foot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and let's leap into my scatological issues. Um, <laughs> I always remember that, and I anticipated it this time. So this is the scene, viewers, listeners, watchers, where um, 
sadly, um, Maximus. Maximus turns up to his compound and his son and his wife have been brutally murdered, crucified, crucified. and burned mm. by the looks of things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my issues are you're putting your face on the, the, the sooty feet, but also <laughs> you're getting snot. You're getting snot across it all. Clearly, I mean, and then I think, well, what would you do, Sarah, if you came upon this sort of grievous thing? And yeah, I think that stoicism and that masculinity and that kind of earthiness again really links to Game of Thrones because mm. if you think about the Stark family, Ned Stark, that yeah. is the. I mean, Jon Snow plays and Ned, Ned Stark. Stark? Sean, Sean Bean. Bean. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Scene Bean, as we used to call him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know who Kit Snow, Kit Snow is. Kit Snow. I do. I never watched Game of Thrones. Oh, it's I watched the first episode and I went, well, these people are ghastly, and I don't want to spend another <laughs> moment with them. Oh, Fast forward five years and I'm watching Succession but you know that's not the point but uh, but also the incest because there's incest mm, in yeah. Thrones isn't there yes, and, and this it. is not really willing incest well it's not at all willing incest but the creepiness of being this this simpering brother who is in love with his sister who doesn't have any power to reject him mm. lest he wreaks havoc mm. and kills not just her but her son. I think that you've, you've kind of alluded to another element that is very Game of Thrones which is that kind of it's, it's power dynamics and mm. family drama and, you know, and incest is part of that in Game of Thrones and definitely the suggestion of that is in Gladiator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, with Russell Crowe, I think, I, I was talking again, William and I were talking the other night when we went, we went and saw Napoleon. Mm. Um, Ridley Scott tells a story about the opening scene of Gladiator mm. and he had his extras set up in that battleground, they had to set the production design and he called across Ru Russell Crowe and it was the first time they'd worked together because of course they've done multiple films mm. since then. Mm. Mm. Um, and he said, uh, hey, look, what I want you to do is I want you to go and stand out there and you're going to bend down, you're going to pick up some dirt and uh, and then you're going to see a bird. There won't be a bird. I'll cut that in later. Just <laughs> see see a bird. It flutters down and then you look out of the battleground and I'll bring the camera down and that's how we'll start our movie. Mm. And Russell was like, all right. So he went out there. He did the thing. He did the beats. He did it perfectly. And Ridley Scott turned to him and he said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do some great things, mate." Mm. Yeah, like I think lovely. it was that kind of actor director. Like, let's just figure synergy. this out. Synergy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course they have because they've done a good year. They've yeah. done Robin Hood. They've done um, oh, what else have they done? Definitely those two movies. Not mm -hmm. the Counselor. Russell's not in that, is he? No, that's a uh, RDJ, right? I think Robert Isn't Downey it? Jr. Yeah, could be. Mm. I I didn't like a good year. I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's dumb. I, I have swag from a good year. I don't yeah. know why. Do you? <laughs> so a good year is the one where... So, so my husband asked me yesterday, he said, um, have you seen a good year? I said, yeah, I did. He said, was it any good? And I said, no, it was dumb. It was one of those, oh, I'm going to make a vineyard kind of BS. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Doug said, well, was it even good in a vicarious? You know, sometimes it's nice to watch films set in Tuscany or wherever. Yeah. And I said, no. Nah. So um, <laughs> I, think, I think you are of the majority because I was working at the cinema when that film came out. Didn't really feel any desire to see it, and nobody that went to see it raved about it when they no. came out of it. Mm. So no, yeah. Well, let's talk about Napoleon because I think there's some lovely connections mm. to be made, and mm -hmm. it's actually quite a different film. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, can I start us off with what I think was the most impressive thing in the whole film? Absolutely, please do. Is the performance by Vanessa Kirby? Yes. I just mm -hmm. think she was outstanding. Yeah. And I've seen her in lots of things. I've heard her. I've just been listening to a Twelfth Night production from 2013 where she plays, I think, Viola. Mm -hmm. um, great work in that. But she is just wonderful. Mm. There's this wonderful like, life about her, nuanced. You're mm. not quite sure what's going on in her mm. mind. Mm -hmm. um, I trust her motivations as a character, or her actions, I should say, have motivation as a character because mm. of the way she sells it. Um, yeah, what say thee? 
I love Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. I'm just um, I'm just refreshing my memory. She was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress last year or the year before. Oh, how the last few years blend into one another. <laughs> and it was an incredible film. Uh, and if someone actually could look it up while I'm talking, that'd be great. But Vanessa basically... It's almost a two-hander. It's her and it's Oscar. Who's that lovely Oscar? Uh, Oscar um, Isaac. I'm pretty sure it's it. No, it isn't. It's her with Shia LaBeouf. Oh. And it's amazing. And they are pregnant and they have a baby. And uh-huh. tragedy, tragedy strikes. And it's not called Scent of a Woman, but it's something like something woman, something, something to do with being a woman. Um, you know, can I say, you are doing fantastic vamping, as William and I fear. Yeah, as, I'm, I'm trying to find my phone. Have you changed your Wi-Fi? Is what I'm thinking. Uh, yes. That's why. So I was like, I can't search on my computer. Oh, all not... right. No, don't worry. I can look it up here. Um, um, so she's in The Crown. Yeah. Oh, and she's um, she was pretty great in The Crown. Mission, was it Mission Impossible? The... Yeah. Well, no, she's amazing <laughs> a, in Mission Impossible. Was it a Cartier? Uh, was it called The Sun? No. Oh. Pieces of a Woman. There we oh. go, darlings. 2020, Pieces of a Woman. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Her acting, it is with Shia LaBeouf as well. Extraordinary film, extraordinary script, extraordinarily sad. But right. what it takes is for uh, an extraordinary performance, mm-hmm. particularly in a two-hander, mm. about um, the grief around a childbirth. Right. And... Um, She's incredible. So she was nominated and did not win. And I wouldn't be at all. Well, I, I would be surprised if she was nominated as Josephine. But what I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, her star is ascending. Mm. Guaranteed. She should. What are you saying? She won't get nominated for this. For Napoleon? Yeah. I, I think she will. Oh, you I do? Think she will. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's amazing. I wondered whether the film would be rejected. <laughs> um, I, I, we don't yet know what everybody thinks of the film. but I um, suppose. I don't know. I, I mean, that was one of the things we talked about. I was like, this is going to get a lot of Oscar noms. Like the yeah. production design and the My costumes goodness. and oh, the you music. Oh, you think so? That they don't make movies like these anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but this you're... is like classic Hollywood. Can I get a sense from you guys at what yeah. you felt about the movie as a whole? Uh, I, I would say I, I enjoyed it, even though it was completely different from what, what I was expecting. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of the um, introspection is uh, interesting. I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it Mm. Um, but it's definitely an interesting way of taking a Napoleon biopic right Mm. a direction that we haven't really seen before Um, the battle sequences are extraordinary like I I think back to maybe Fellowship of the Ring is is the last time we saw anything on that scale Mm. and it seemed like there was a lot more use of practical well yeah, I don't know how much digital was, effects, was but... used in Napoleon, but it feels practical. Yeah. And I think with the development of drone technologies, obviously yes, there's yes, heaps yes. of drone work in this, and it looks astounding. Yes, yes it does. Um, well, you know that Ridley Scott records with six cameras, mm. and he's he's quite an advocate of this, and he says, I don't know why more directors don't do this. Well, in this instance, I think these... he did 14. Right. For four, the battle four. scenes, he used 14 oh, cameras. Because he thought, you know, and then we've got all the coverage and then we can cut something extraordinary. Yeah, which is just such a confident way to... I mean, he has such a clear understanding about the... um, What am I trying to think of here? Like, just the cost of film and where money can get sucked up and how to use the resources in front of you. And, like, I think about the early days when he talks about Blade Runner and he's like, oh, I can make a new set with just these pieces. As long as we can move them around and light in a different way, throw some smoke in, I can create a whole new different part of... 11 cameras, I'm sorry. Let's not overdo it, Sarah. So, yeah, in the fight scenes, 300 men, 100 horses, 11 cameras, which is still uh, a chunk of... Yeah, that's right. I know that um, uh, uh, Lady Gaga and Adam Driver talked about this with House of Gucci and how they could just... Because people were asking, how did you kind of create that chemistry between the two of you, especially during the... 
I'm intimate scenes. I don't just mean the sex Which scenes. Which chemistry I mean between Gaga and Driver? Oh yes, yes, yes. And um, and they said, well, we were just able to play and, yes. and create, and Ridley worked with us to kind of create that. Um, and we knew that it was covered. We didn't have to recreate these yes, moments. So you yes, just had to yes. live in the moment. Oh, and yeah. Vanessa mm. Kirby has said the exact same thing. Yeah. Especially that sequence where um, Joaquin Phoenix crawls under the table and mm-hmm. pulls her yes, in. Yes, that was lovely. And that was something that he started to do. And then Ridley Scott stopped it, put a tablecloth over the scene because he thought it would be funnier to see him through the tablecloth. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And then they started it again and off they went. And Vanessa Kirby kind of just said that she felt like... Oh, you can hear her, la- yeah, her yeah. laughing. Laughing. Through it is very natural. And yeah. it speaks very um, convincingly to the romance, the genuine love between Napoleon and Josephine. Because mm. it did feel like... I know we're jumping everywhere here, forgive me. But it feels like a little bit of a... It's a very, very codependent relationship, but also a little bit of a push-me-pull-you relationship at times. And I occasionally would think, eh, is she just doing this? Is she just in it for the money or the prestige or whatever? And then I'd go, no, actually, I'm quite gratified to see that she actually really loves him. Mm. And at the end, you know, during the divorce, which is really gutting, Mm -hmm. and the, 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 the time thereafter where they are such lovely friends that they are reduced to writing to one another you think what a complex and gorgeous um, maybe gorgeous isn't quite the right word but what a lovely relationship mm. yeah. so yeah that scene is delightful and the reason the tablecloth also is delightful is because when you are under the tablecloth that you almost have this sense of we're in this intimacy together not and despite the fact that there are servants, servants standing everywhere <laughs> listening or not listening you know what i mean yeah and so that's that's a much better idea so good old riddles for that and you think like they would have felt like you would have filmed it with six cameras and so yeah you, you, you get every spontaneity angle. is yeah. there yes, and, yes, and yes. she said we maybe filmed things two or three times and then we moved on yeah and i just wow. think that's so different that's to, and there was Fincher. this Kubrick, <laughs> yeah there was this Kubrick element to this movie. Yes. And mm-hmm. I guess he famously was trying to make a Napoleon yes. film for a long time. And mm-hmm. Ridley Scott read his notes and work leading into this and was sort of unimpressed, mm. apparently. Um, but, you know, Kubrick famously will, will film things multiple times. Yes. And, and Finchable as well. Mm-hmm. And I think with Finch, you know, he's often following characters with his camera. So there's like a technical element that requires it to be refilmed so many times. But he also just wants to get the best... The best cut, the best yeah, take. I, I mean, and I that can so. be a bit draining. It's hard to know because he, like he, he also does. Sometimes he does takes where he does a couple of takes and moves on. But if mm. you watch a Fincher film, there's often that that the camera will follow a character, and then when they emotionally pause, the camera pauses, and then, so there's this like kind of right. this dance that they have to sure, choreograph. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's choreographed, and I think that's where some of those 30, 40 takes come in because they have to. Do was, that, you know? was there famously that I, th- I feel like it was Jake Gyllenhaal in Zodiac? Correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be misremembering this mm. anecdote. But that he gets in um, the character gets in the car and has to shuffle through some papers on his front seat, and there was something about the fact that David Fincher made them film that eleven times or mm. something like that. I mean, I could I could totally be conflating different uh, aspects of it. Anyway, speaking just very very quick offshoot of that. Yeah. Um, have you guys seen The Killer? Yeah, no, I love no, it. No, no spoilers yet. Okay. Mm. Oh my god, I love Sarah, it. I'm, I'm yeah. watching it for the second time as nice. we speak. Yeah. Anyway, um, as we speak. Well, <laughs> where, where, where is this? Yeah. So no. So no, I'm only half. half, half Google listening. glasses on. Glasses yeah, that's on. right. Oh, 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 stop. Okay. Yeah. What angles? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So, so this is just like maybe spoilers for the filmmaking, but there is a scene in the color where suddenly it turns into handheld footage. Mm. And I almost fell out of my seat. I was like, 
David Fincher doing ha- like shaky cam poor Greengrass stuff. Yeah. This is it's extraordinary. Mm. He's breaking out of the box. And then I read the making of afterwards. And all of that was digital. So he filmed it with a steady cam on like a dolly. And then they added the shaky effects. Oh. And it's like, it's because I had to get the, the vibrations perfect. Yeah, right. Which is hilarious. He would have planned it perfectly. It's a special song. Um, I really enjoyed Napoleon. I thought it was disjointed and, and a messy film. But I had a really good time. I think mm. the, the kind of joyfulness of the performances. I mean, I really liked Gucci. I was telling Lily as yeah. we were leaving. And the second time that I watched it, I watched it with my parents. I didn't mind Jared Leto at, at yeah, all. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Forearmed is forewarned or whatever they yeah, say. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And my parents loved it. And it was just a really, I think when... I'd watch Gucci again. It's great. And I mean, when, um, when, when Ridley Scott has a great concept mm-hmm. and um, a half-decent structure... The acting, the production, the, the the rhythm, like he's so good at he's such a good filmmaker. Yeah. Um that I'm always along for the ride. Like <clears> if I think <throat> about the good year, mm. it's it's I know that it would have been a competently made film. Mm. It's just yeah. a bit of a boring concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um or did he do Matchstick Men? He he did. He did do Matchstick yeah. uh, Match Men. Never i I've never seen That's that. That's heaps of fun. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I I just think he, he's such a competent director. So is, I, I enjoyed is. that element of it, um, all those elements of it. I mean, the score in this movie. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, so good. Well, so here's what I think. Everything you say is true. Mm. And so interesting that you say, yep, it'll be up for lots of Oscars because I can see that it would be for costume and lighting. And oh, and can I just say, here's a, oh, because I've got my list of similarities, guys. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Um, yeah. Both films have tents in them. <laughs> Tense. Yeah, T E N T S. Meeting. Tense meetings. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have tense, meeting, they have meetings in tense. Huh? <laughs> game tick. All right. Yeah. Both of them have battles. Um, mm. Okay, tick. Um, <laughs> both of them are the rise and fall of a war hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tick. Good. Um, both of them have Joaquin Phoenix. No, jokes. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> both but, of them are Harry Potter actors. <laughs> but, what I, but, but what I would say, wait, what? I don't know if there are any Napoleon. I just am thinking of Richard Harris, who's Dumbledore. Oh, right. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, but also, what I do quite like as a connection is the fact that in the first, oh, in the first film, sorry, in Gladiator, you've got young Joaquin and he's insecure professionally, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, or, or actually, and emotionally, but in the, oh, hang on, and in the second film, Napoleon, you've got old Joaquin, who's insecure um, mentally, I mm. put here, mm. slightly different, maybe not. Anyway. You know, in Napoleon, you've got boats, and in Gladiator, you've got the score from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you do, <laughs> or you do, yes, but let's be fair, that, but, you know, Caribbean comes second. I so know, Caribbean yeah, I know. steals from it. <laughs> But um, I suppose oh. what I mean is that in Napoleon, Joaquin's character is very secure in who he is professionally. Do you mm. get what I mean? Yeah, anyway, yeah, my, yeah. My point... Maybe too secure, because uh, as the film portrays it, that turns out to be his downfall. Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. That um, that hubris or yeah. lack of... No, hang on, I, is it? Yeah. I, I find that to be fascinating. I, I mean, obviously... Um, historically the, the movie uh, deviates from what actually happened in pretty significant ways I don't know um, William there are dates on the screen that tell <laughs> yeah. us exactly when Too things long. happen <laughs> 23rd of April 
<laughs> you know, 1791. Um, and I'm like, really? Oh, but, okay. But it's scratched onto the screen with a yeah. will. That's yeah, cool. no, that's Ooh. true. That's anyway, cool. I, I, yeah. I love how the title, when you actually see him sign Napoleon, yeah. it's uh, it's his abdication, right? Mm. Which is a, a brilliant mm. irony. I, I love that. It's, it's not a, a period of, of momentous, this you know, is, occasion. That's such a good point. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, uh, what, what was I talking about? Um, oh, yes. So the, the entire... Wait, what was I talking about? I don't know, but I, I'm keen to... I mean, we can pivot if you want. Uh, well, I was going to say about the lighting, actually. Because mm. uh, I was in the process of saying he's done all these things really well. Uh-huh. But for me, momentum... I didn't feel like I had the through line of the thrust of Gladiator with a story that was propelling me anywhere. Yeah, for me, it was a series of events. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. But not something that I cared about enough to want to see again. Right. Fabulous battle scenes. And you know... I don't consider myself a scientific or a military or a kind of a very logical thinking person, but I love the science behind the military and I love Mm -hmm. the whole um, ice thing, the ice ice ambush. I think this is genius. So I love films that have all that, but, Mm -hmm. but, but otherwise, and I thought the relationship was very moving, but there was something either in the editing or the pacing Mm. that did not draw me in. Ah, that's fair. I, I think, sorry, I, I remember what I was oh, yes. going to talk about now. Um, yes, uh, so so kind of uh, reacting off what you just said. Yeah. Uh, so two things. First of all, yeah, the, the, the movie, from my understanding of the Napoleonic Wars, which is not great, mm. but there, there's huge historical inaccuracies, right? Mm. Right. It, just, it does not make sense. And the sense. French are annoyed about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, the French hate this movie. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. and, and you think, like, should a Englishman make a bombastic movie about a French war hero emperor with the British accent starring mostly British accent. I don't know. It's it's a thing. It, well, it, well, well, Ken had an American accent. Oh, oh, his accent was all over the place. Was I, it? I no, 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 no. Really? No, they all just had their normal accent. Yeah, oh, really? Well, they weren't American, trying to yeah. be French. And to hire... Oh, well, well he, he wasn't, but it just seemed no, he was just doing his normal of, voice. Out of place. But oh, I think his American. normal voice... Reminds is... me a lot of um, my feelings when I watched Death of Stalin. Mm. Um, which is, you know, it's, uh, it's fun. funny. Yeah, but I felt really uncomfortable watching that. It's like, why should Brits and Americans make fun of Russians and cast... All Brits and Americans in Russian roles, and it just—it it, it was like laughing down at a period of history, which is the whole point. But then it, it felt really problematic. I don't know. I, I have issues with that movie. But I think it's—isn't um, it the whole point that it is? I mean, a, it's—it's um, it's not Richard Ayoade. Who's the director of Death and Stalin? Uh, uh, um, uh, and uh, the loop guy. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, Arnando Yanucci. Uh, yes. So a, it's going to be a piss take. And mm-hmm. b, does anybody think Stalin was a good guy? And that I, that I was don't okay? think so, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just, I just had yeah. complex feelings. I, I hear what you're yeah, saying, yeah. It's, and it's, um, that, it's that narrative of that we get all the time yeah. from one side, especially living in a colonial, but 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 well, uh, although country, yeah. So. I, I mean, it's the same with this, right? And like, obviously, the, the the English never colonized France, but the thing, like, we are going to tell your story. It, it felt a little off. They yeah. tried. They tried, didn't they? They but, did occupy. I guess there is a difference between colonizing and, 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 and occupying, isn't yeah. there? But yeah, they definitely occupied. Reminds me it? also of, uh, I mean, more overt examples like U five seven one, where uh, mm. they they took a. That's the other way you know, across the Atlantic. Das Boot done America. Oh no, no. So U five seven one was based on a English war hero oh okay and they got Matthew McConaughey to play him oh I see <laughs> it's like yeah I'm here for the American hero yeah yeah um, 
But like, yeah, something about how Napoleon portrays the him charging into battle at yeah. Waterloo. It's like, yeah, right, movie. Well, okay, but I... but like, oh, so, sorry, I'll just finish my go, point, go. which is, regardless of all of that, I think the movie still really works. It, it, yeah, it really, as you were saying, Sarah, it focuses in on these very, very almost myop, myopic sections of the Napoleon story. Yeah, and kind of uses those as glimpses into both his professional life and his private life. Yeah. And it, it loses a lot of details, but it does so in a very, very directed way. Mm. Like, there's heaps of stuff that is not on the screen. Yeah. Um, Napoleon destroyed Haiti, for, for example. Who? Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Haiti? Oh, Haiti. Yeah, Haiti, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. Um, not in the movie. You know, no. there were assassination attempts. Not in the movie. Yeah. Him, his, his brother's in the movie, but he was a super important part of his life. Kind of not in the movie. Yeah. His mother... Um, but that's like, weird when she turns up a bit later, yeah. actually. Um, and the kids and Josephine's kids kind of disappear for ages, yeah. and then and, and there his wife disappears. Oh the yeah, second wife dis- that's disappears. That's right, the eighteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. you know, there's a four-hour cut that he's going to release. Yeah, but but, but, like, but that's like, only another half hour. With, with no. all of that stuff, yeah, because the film was two and a half. Oh wait, four hours. Four, I'm sorry. Yeah. See, hour I told you, maths was <laughs> my thing. <laughs> but I, I just feel like. Um, what didn't work for you, Sarah, kind of worked for me. Maybe not entirely. Yeah. But, like, it, I, I felt really satisfied by the end of the movie. It's like we've we've seen, like, glimpses into this guy's life. Yeah. And that's all we get, and that's mm. okay, because that's what the movie is trying to portray. And apparently, to be fair, apparently Ridley, apparently Ridley, apparently Ridley, so Ridley told me that <laughs> basically he was just doing a movie about a love story, and that he just needed to put on a few battle scenes, but I'm, it is meant to be about his the love story. I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm sure I've expressed this in the podcast before, I'm always an advocate for a film being the best film it can be, and historical accuracy and in the case of book adaptations, accuracy to the book mm. are are secondary to making the best film you can. And I think people going into movies wanting historical, accurate depictions, mm. maybe, I just think that's not what we go to the movies for. Yeah. We see a version of that story. We see a perspective of that story. We see something that's going to connect to us at a human level. Sure. Um, and I would, I just, I don't want to see, I'm not going into Napoleon to understand the history of Napoleon. Right. And I don't, I don't s- mind you know, that. I don't yeah, have there, that there, objection. There's the history channel for that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I can go read a book or I can, yeah. you know, watch a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, can I say, like, what you're alluding to, William, I guess is some of those wider world connections, as we say as an English teacher. Um, but in terms <laughs> of our podcast name, we're called Cinema in Context. And one of the things I'd be keen to, I guess, check in, check in about is this film for me felt extremely relevant yeah. to our current political mm-hmm. reality. Oh, do you um, mean New Zealand or do you mean Israel-Palestine? No, no, no. I mean, I don't mean Israel-Palestine. Okay. I mean Trump. I do mean New Zealand as well. Yeah. I mean, I just think of the the political leaders that, that have got, got into power over the last three years in a lot, like in the UK and mm-hmm. lots of places around the world. Yeah. Um, Napoleon is, I feel, a relevant commentary on that type of leader. Yeah. Um, in a way that Gladiator is very much of its time as well. I, you couldn't make, I don't think, that kind of Gladiator film today as a political commentary. Um, I'm not saying Gladiator is a political commentary, but it comes out of a time pre-9-11. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, at a time when I think people had more belief in their leaders. Uh, and Napoleon is, is just a very different film. Mm-hmm. And yet the French still not not... 
it, not conclusively. The French don't love Napoleon for unconditionally, um, but they laud him, L-A-U-D, um, very, very highly as um, an historical figure. Um, they may not love everything that he did, etc., etc., but he's still a big deal. And incidentally, yeah. you may or may not have read that Napoleon and Jesus, uh, or rather Napoleon is second only to Jesus in terms of... Um, uh, not import to society, but in terms of the uh, number of um, uh, films I, I, and iconography. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah, yes, but also the number of times they've been um, had films made about oh, them or really? something like mm. apparently, oh, wow. which I find extraordinary. Okay. So can I just say to your point, William, about should an Englishman be making a film that's French? Well, a, mm-hmm. I don't think that the the issues of colonization and kind of um, storytelling apply quite so much when it's like European and European. But b, um, the French have made heaps of stuff about Napoleon. Yeah, that's true. So you that's know, true. it takes I, the riddles I, I to come along I, and do one for the rest of us. You know, no. what I was trying to say is. Yeah. Uh, not colonization. No. It's just like, it's, it's a story that is from a very, very different perspective. And that's you know? okay. Um, that is okay, but it just comes off as weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, it's not that mm. it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's yeah. just a little different, you know. Yeah. Um, and I completely understand why the French, especially the French critics, would hate this movie. Yeah. Um, mm. Because it just, it's strange, you know. I... I have tried to empathize with the French and it's like what if what if someone made a movie about a political figure that, that we I am, really love we, we well, really love what if or, the Danish what? made a film about Jacinda yeah for well, example was that going to happen wasn't that going to be something was not, it cancelled <laughs> not the Danish but there's some film the made about the um, mosque shooting and, starring and Rose, Rose Byrne as Jacinda oh that's Ardern. right oh yeah. that's right and we were and we were annoyed yeah. about mm. that yeah but um, I, it's interesting eh? like I'm thinking we about, all of us all, yeah. all of us I spoke oh, I to everyone and we all said that's annoying <laughs> no sorry is, yes. yeah it is annoying though yeah. when, you, when you don't even a country doesn't even get a chance to tell their own stories sure sure but I'm just thinking like if you think about Napoleon and that that celebration of him. I'm thinking about who do we have in our in our history that's like that. And Winston you know, Peter? No, no. no. <laughs> I was actually thinking Kate Shepard. He comes back from exile twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Kate Shepard, you know, we we famously yeah. celebrate her as mm. the champion of um, suffrage. I guess first wave feminism, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, suffrage yeah, suffrage and yeah. getting the woman's vote. Mm-hmm. But a piece of that narrative is that those groups were pitting the woman's vote against Māori votes and so they used oh, a racist rhetoric right. to say um, to, to get their it was, it was thingy a, ahead yeah so there's a, narr- there's a part of the narrative of, of the suffragette, suffragette movement in New Zealand yeah. and Kate Shepard was a, definitely a part of that that we don't talk about. Gosh, mm. that'd be a fascinating movie. It's similar to Martin Luther yeah. King Jr., right? And that mm. he was not the greatest guy in terms of his treatment of young women, mm. right? He was yeah. and a he, massive philanderer and yeah. adulterer, rather. And yeah. All that. yeah, and and so um, and interestingly, do you know there's a really prominent black gay activist and at the time, and he knew that he would not rally support, and so he put he was one of the key people behind Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. to support his cause. So this is just a side note. Right. Just some of that history that you're like, we don't know the full yeah, story yeah, yeah. here That's and what's right. going on. Or we turn a blind eye to certain bits because of whatever we might say. You know, mm-hmm. well, you know, let's do women first. Women vote first and yeah. then we'll deal with Māori yeah. or, yeah. you know, whatever it might so be. So I'm not, I'm not like saying, oh, down with Kate Shepard or, you know. No, no, what no. I'm saying is, is that some of that nuance is really healthy and important. Yeah. Now, is Napoleon doing that? I mean, a little bit, but I think... I think what you said is true. Ridley Scott's intention of telling a love story or a character investigation of Napoleon and Josephine is very much what this movie is. Yeah. But there is that, like, it is so relevant to the Trumpian era of politics. You know, he's this 
kind of horrible man. Yeah. <laughs> but he's very good at his, very good at kind of rallying people, you know? Yeah. What I find fascinating is that with all that being said, you very rarely see what the people think, mm. right? There's that scene with Do you the, not hear the, the people sing? <laughs> singing the songs of possibly angry men. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since the revolution. Oh. <laughs> Look, you don't forget that stuff. Yeah. So, oh, at oh, gosh, least Napoleon didn't sing like this. That's true. <laughs> a huge huge oh, impression. And wasn't oh. Russell in... Yes, he yes, was. He was. was. Yeah. Russell Crowe sang like this. That's right. Pretty good stars <laughs> impressionation oh. um but, but but yeah like you, you see the scene with the regiment coming to arrest him and they turn to his side and i think that's the only time you see how the general populace views this character yeah. mm. um and i think that's completely intentional yeah right it's all about his interior motivations um and even like the bloodless coup and all that stuff it's like yeah a lot of it is just it's window dressing because that's not what really scott all the movie is interested about yeah um it's about napoleon as it says in the title um and i i find that to be fascinating like yeah he is a uh autocrat he is a some would argue dictator yeah but like the movie's not about that yeah mm -hmm. you know you've reminded me of something um another sort of similarity between the two films um, so Napoleon was a Corsican, so somewhat outside of like main, main France, France, mm -hmm. and yet absolutely unconditionally pro-France, in love with France. This is my country. This is what we're doing, da-di-da. And interestingly, that uh, only interesting to me maybe, but I've started, so I'll finish, that, um, <laughs> that Russell, not Russell, Maximus is a Spaniard mm -hmm. and yet absolutely there for Rome mm -hmm. and absolutely loyal to Italy. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, I know it wasn't Italy at the time, but you know what I mean anyway. Yeah. Can I just say, can I just say though, I wrote in my lists, similar, tense, <laughs> Uh, cold blue palette, except in the warm, sunny climes where it goes yellow, which is the same in both yeah. films. Yeah, so that, they film in Malta in both films. Right. Yeah. And so that's a, a Ridley style thing. Dissimilar. <clears throat> Heft of cast. Gladiator has Richard Harris, Oliver Reed, Derek Jacobi. Uh, and oh, others. Derek Jacobi, so good. Jimon Honsu, his like yes. star making yeah, role. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 right. But so at the time he wasn't anybody. But yeah, yeah. that's right. And then, but our, the other one, uh, what's it called? Napoleon has Vanessa Kirby, my friend Taha Rahim, who I have interviewed. Uh, mm -hmm. So I consider that uh, Taha and I, uh, he is a wonderful actor. He is uh, he is French. He is actually from uh, North Africa. Mm -hmm. His accent wasn't too French either. So when mm. I say too, I don't mean judgmentally. I mean, it, it was quite neutral. But anyway, um, but that's all. It has Ben Miles. When Ben Miles ah, appeared on yes. screen, I pointed to I him. I do like him. It's like, Jeremy, he's a guy from Andor. <laughs> okay, fine. So I guess, and Ben, you know, I've seen him in the theatre yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, he, I, I mean, remember. He's, he's been on British television for a very long time. Um, so I suppose, but I mean, I wouldn't consider him a Harris, a Reed or a Jacoby. Mm, so true. there was something about Gladiator. Holy, and Connie Nielsen wasn't, she's Danish, did you know? She mm. wasn't really anybody back in the gladiator days she was right. one of ridley's pretty girls bring them in and and off we go but um yeah i thought yeah, yeah, you know he could have made napoleon a bit heftier but uh i do appreciate that with ridley scott and he talks a lot about this that he he spends a lot of effort and energy on casting his thing is if you get the cast right yes, you've done the rest of the job yeah, yeah. so I, I do appreciate that he does even though he might use ridley, uh, ridley scott um russell crowe a couple of times or you know he's made a few films with <clears> some of the same actors he casts to roll, and yeah. everybody feels very much who they are. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
All right, should we get to our Patreon right. questions? Yes. So let's start with a third film that you would collectively group with these movies. Go, Sarah. For once, I have one. Nice. Hey. Like, ahead of, like, the moment that you ask. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, the um, Shika Kapoor, wonderful, I think it might have been 2000, with uh, Kate Blanchett, another Ooh. Australian, mm-hmm. playing... Um, An historical figure, Elizabeth I. I absolutely adore the film Elizabeth. Now, why do I think they go well together? Well, if you look at them as a as a, the three all in one pot, you've got you've got an uh, historical figure played by somebody who is not the nationality of uh-huh. the person that they're playing, but that's a little bit surface. Beautiful film, incredible, like the the emotion, the story, the through line, the peril and everything in mm. Elizabeth. Mm. Have you both seen it? I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. A while ago. I could see it so many times, over and over and over. Incredible mm. cast. I never saw the sequel, but I've heard that was... Quite it's not. As well. It's okay, but it's mm. it doesn't give you what you want from it. The she's, first, a big, she's a big. I have a hurricane in me, sir. She's <laughs> a big speech, which is great. And with Clive Owen, but the first one is really extraordinary. Though even Joseph Fine, fresh from Shakespeare in Love, is extra mm. soon to be in or whatever, extraordinary. But the first one, Christopher Eccleston, Jeffrey Rush, incredible supporting cast. Kate Blanchard is absolutely mind blowing. But I genuinely mean it. The the battle scenes are. In- incredible and scintillating the the evil machinations going on behind the scenes it's very very historically driven and um absolutely just one of the greatest films ever that i would put above um gladiator um, i love mm. gladiator and i could gladiator i could watch it over and over but elizabeth really it makes me now think as i say this i want to watch it again very soon it's a just an extraordinary film highly recommended and again i don't think that dates because it is so steeped in historical accuracy mm, that it's yeah. not like you're watching something and going well you wouldn't say that nowadays <laughs> because no you you probably wouldn't say that nowadays mm. because this was you know 15 um 1589 or whatever so mm. yeah amazing i need to rewatch that movie oh I, my God. I remember really enjoying it and i like Kate blanchett and anything so good christopher eccleston oh that's right oh, yeah, yeah amazing <laughs> and and that's all about not crossing the wrong person mm-hmm. and deceit and oh kelly mcdonald oh amazing it's probably very i mean there's a lot of things that game of thrones draws from i guess george r r martin was trying to write during that period mm-hmm the Game of Thrones TV show and then you know this don't you he yeah. wrote Game of Thrones as a TV show and, and nobody and would make was, it and then he was catching up was he not still writing the books no, just no. as he what no. I mean is he was writing Game of Thrones as a TV show Aye. nobody would pick it up mm-hmm. oh it I see I expensive. see and so he thought oh stuff you all I'm going to go write them as books and then, ironically, they became the biggest TV show of all time. But didn't it get to the in, an inflection point where the TV shows had been made <sighs> and he had to keep writing? He's, he's still I, not I, released I his mean, last two books. <laughs> oh. Keep writing in inverted commas. Oh, I see. Um, is he on sabbatical? Uh, he's on, been on, on sabbatical on since 2011. He's not dead, is he? No. 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 Oh, okay. just, he gets interested in other stuff. He was writing video games. Oh, right. He writes his blog about NFL. Um, he does anything. Right. Other than finish Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just think it's a very complicated story, and he's really written himself into a spaghetti corner. Well, what would be your third film? The Last Duel. Hey. Oh, wonderful. That, really? that, and that was a great Ridley. It was fantastic, yeah. and nobody saw it. I saw did, it. Did you know Jodie Comer was supposed to be Josephine? 
Oh. Oh yes, I did, and there was a scheduling conflict. Uh, yeah, because of COVID shutdowns and stuff, they had to switch to Vanessa Kirby. Oh, I'm, I'm so actually glad. really glad. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love Jodie Comer. She's perfect for that film. I mean, that is a movie that Last Jewel. The Last Jewel. Yeah. You know, that that's a film. I, I want to watch that, that again. I think I watched it last year during Christmas, mm. and it was just me and my nephew watched it actually. Mm. I mean, the dueling is just gut-wrenching it's yep. so visceral and yeah. wonderful and you know it's so great to see Matt Damon and um, yes. Ben Affleck in a film together <laughs> yes again um <laughs> it's it's I mean I, lo- I always love a film that you know there's a Rashomon which mm-hmm. tell or, or um, yes, what's the, a hero yes yeah. you see a story vantage from point <laughs> that old classic with <laughs> Dennis Quaid I've never, never oh I've it. seen that a lot of times because I love a multi a multi mm-hmm. perspective story multi perspective yep, story yep. Um, Jackie Brown is another mm-hmm. one I mean, you yep. can see the same thing from different people's perspectives usual suspects yeah yeah true mm-hmm. it's it's a great storytelling technique and I think that's a film that um, you know. It's just beautifully made. I watched an interview with uh, Ridley Scott where he talks about the final moment of that film mm. and what it means for that, the main character that is kind of um, entering that final scene and the emotional significance of that. And I thought, oh, I want to watch the movie that gets to that point. And right. So mm-hmm. there was this confidence about what he was doing in that movie that is quite wonderful. I'm going to put that on my nice. rewatch list. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair warning. It's it's about a sexual assault. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the key central. Yeah plot elements um and so it's you know it's interesting that it's a movie with a lot of men mm-hmm. um terribly well done Ter- i don't mean the sexual assault scene well i mean the whole thing is terribly well done though because you watch the first third thinking all oh, right i see how i see what's going on here yeah. and then you watch the second third and go oh hang on a second yeah. all right yeah. and that's nicely done when you're you're i mean i know that's the point of it it subverts your your mm-hmm. interpretations and all. do you know what i actually need to go back and rewatch it because i think we fast forwarded chunks of that <gasps> movie because i was with my nephew and i was like oh we're gonna we're not gonna watch oh, this oh no scene together, you need you know? to watch it properly i need to go back and so it's, even, even there's I've real got nuance about it that's the thing <gasps> mm-hmm what about you, William? Uh, my pick is something a little bit different. I was thinking about the overall settings and the vibes of both films, you know, very, very historical epics. Um, a lot of scenes in the Senate or in the French government. <gasps> You're not people... going to say Star Wars. <laughs> the, 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 that has a Senate. The Senate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My, no my lord. No way. <laughs> no way. Um, no, uh, the, the, my film is The Lost City of Zed. Oh, oh, wow. Is that the one with Charlie Hunnam? Um, Sandra Bullock? No, no, no. That's, <laughs> no, the, that's Lost City. the Lost City. which is really fun with Brad Pitt. <laughs> I like that and, Ch- and Channing Tatum. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, um, yeah, of yeah. Of Z. Of Z. Uh, of Z. Oh, of yes. Z. Okay. Um, uh, have you guys seen this movie? No. I don't even know. Oh, okay. Okay. I've heard of it a lot, but I don't know in what context. Right. Um, it's, it's a film about a real-life explorer um, who gets funding from the Explorers Guild to, um, to go find the lost city of Zed. Um, it is a, a crazy kind of Heart of Darkness style thing. Um, Ch- Charlie Hunnam's the main guy. His son is played by a very young Tom Holland. Um, mm. and it's all about like Victorian era politics. The Explorers Guild is crazy. It's, it's one of the first times in cinema I can remember, uh, thinking, oh, so this is what being, you know, a scientist and an explorer meant in Victoria times, which is just a, a bunch of mustachioed bearded men screaming at each other. Um, which my gosh, in both Gladiator 
and for uh, Napoleon, there's scenes that do reflect that. Robert mm. Pattinson as well. Yes, Pattinson. And it's a, a James Gray, a James Gray film. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard of it at a time, 2016. I saw this at the uh, film fest. Right. Um, it's it's a really really solid movie, huh. but I think the the vibes of it really hit home how I guess of a piece it is with um, the Senate scenes and Gladiator, as well as the uh, governmental parliamental scene. Right. 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 Um, in Napoleon. Yeah. Right. Right. It's it's kind of that historical how should i put this like politics used to be really interesting you guys mm. and it used to be more than just the people sitting on a bench and arguing about stuff there about were who was going to be deputy prime minister yeah, there were fisticuffs <laughs> um oh wait it's still like that okay. yeah yeah <laughs> if you're talking about taiwan taiwanese government sure, sure. then yes fisticuffs break out every second week yeah um but yeah like it's it's about passion mm. and it's about people who truly believe in what they are saying mm. and up against you know military might and mm. lack of funding and all of that stuff um and it's an engine that drives the whole exploration thing the exploration is brilliant and they kind of as you would expect going into the amazon there's a lot of horrible things that happen to our dear heroes mm-hmm. um but like that's kind of just half of the story the other half is the the Mm, expedition mm. and setting up of the expedition Mm. which really really rings true um and it draws from the same well that i think both these movies that we're talking about right now draw from very Mm, interesting intersecting set right what's what's a moment that people would want to change from one of the films hmm uh (laughs) i know in the main episode i talked about historical inaccuracy is not important but Napoleon didn't charge into Waterloo. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. They, you have that scene immediately preceded by the Duke of Wellington going, you know, um, commanding officers don't take pot shots at each other. Like, mm. what would the world come to? Mm. And then he gets his little spyglass out, and there's Napoleon, our hero, leading a cavalry charge. And it's like, this is just, this is Hollywood nonsense. Mm. Like, <laughs> it's just... And so against what the film had just been talking about. Mm. Um, plus, you know, the story goes that he was suffering from really bad hemorrhoids. He literally could not ride a horse. Mm. And then you see him, you know, charging on a horse. Mm. Yeah. My change would be to Napoleon. I don't know what the change would be, but I do appreciate your points here from earlier, which is there is this element of thrust or through line or stakes that is not quite there yeah. and, and I don't really have much desire to watch the four hour um, cut. cut and that's the thing I came out and, and, and I'm jumping in here because I, mm. I agree with you I don't know exactly what I would change but something didn't quite work and, and I came out thinking well I wouldn't bother to watch that again mm. and compared with Gladiator and most of the other films which I would right. see again so yeah there's something is it is it pacing is it not I th- pacing I think, but... I think it's pacing right mm. yeah yeah it just feels so much more languid than gladiator right i also this is a bit silly and i don't really mean this but you know if i think about the way tarantino makes films or even barbie that came out earlier this year i almost wanted the movie to end with some sly comment and then cut to abba's waterloo and for the oh, credits no. you know? oh no 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 that's my moment. You would yeah. make um, French people's heads explode. Ah, yeah. <laughs> just to put a twist on this, I, I, I don't know what I'd change. Something in Napoleon. Mm. I wouldn't change anything in Gladiator. And I would just like to say that um, I really admire the fact that he dies at the end. Mm. Because he's got nothing left to live for. The whole thing is, 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 is about somebody whose life is literally on the line in order to, for other reasons. Um, 
And I really like that they sacrifice him, even as though it was desperately, desperately sad at the time. And actually yeah. his, his um, reconnaissance, not that, uh, rep- whatever, his reconnection with his family in Elysium was desperately moving. Mm-hmm. The music with Lisa Gerard is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Um, is she and- the singer? Yes, yeah. um, and uh, and so that's one thing that even though Sarah sometimes says, I wish they'd all live at the end, or whatever. In this <laughs> and, instance, I'm like, this is the right thing to do. And his sacrifice has both personal um, consequence and national consequence, yeah, that's because right. he yeah. saves Rome, but he also saves Connie Nielsen and his son. Yes. And it's that lovely yes. Shakespearean moment where he says, now you can be free, or yeah. whatever But, he but says you might him. think that, that, that he can go off and remarry her, and have his son, have the Lucius as his son, and all that stuff, and they, they don't do that, which mm-hmm. is great. I think their little kiss was a little bit unnecessary, but I was also like... I didn't mind well, that. I didn't mind that, but like I say, I'm glad they didn't like have a big night of passion, or any of that bollocks. Yeah. 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 I, I thought um, Lucius was... Uh, did he feel anachronistic to you guys? Yeah, he's a little he was bit. just this, this little 90s kid with a 90s mop yeah, haircut. Yeah, and that's a bit tricky. <laughs> that's, you know, and that... Or you can't... Yeah, you can't yeah. legislate for that, really. Spencer... <laughs> Spencer... <laughs> Spencer Treat Clark, his name is. Okay. I know he's grown well up done. to do other things, oh, but I don't... Okay. Yeah. Stay, stay he's a cute thing. kid. And yeah. yeah, he's a little bit cute and American. He's yeah. like, he should have been in Jumanji, but what are you going to do? <laughs> um, one thing about Gladiator that I, I I wish was done maybe a little bit better um, was... Because um, he, he, uh, Maximus has his two bros, right? So Jima Honsu's... What was his name? Jabba? Uh, Jabu? Wait, Juba. Juba. And the, the huge German guy, yeah. Hagen. Mm. Uh, did you fight Rolf battles Müller. in Germania? Yeah. I did it all over. <laughs> I, I, th- I, I was sitting on the couch going, yeah, you did. And then I went, oh, oh, no, yeah, no, don't. Maybe don't admit that. Yeah. Like, yeah, as, as bros. They're bros. That was I, I, I love them. You know, yeah. and, and they, they had a really cool friendship going on. And they mm. supported each other. And he just dies by being shot full of arrows. Yeah, it's like, I he, know he needed a cooler death or to survive. Yeah. It felt um, like that, that sequence was... They were sort of making it up from the fly. Way later, well, after were, Oliver Reed died. And Wait, you know were, with the tigers in that? No, 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 the, the death sequence of, you know, the nighttime yeah. storming of the compound. Oh, you're right, that's when he dies. I yeah. um, I just think that, and also they were all exhausted when they made, they were so exhausted by the end of that film. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, can I go on with my favourite moment Please. of both mm-hmm. movies? Yes. And we've already briefly talked about it, but William and I both, I think, had our mouths hanging open in the <laughs> cinema, was that ice sequence <sighs> and the the bloody bodies yes. and just that beautiful That was my favourite bit too. There you go, you can yeah. have it. Yep. It was amazing. It was amazing. That I'm, is one of the best things I've seen in like 20 years. And I'd, even though I'd seen it in the trailer... I was like, it I'm wasn't ruined for me. Right now. It wasn't ruined for me knowing that it was coming. I yeah. was like, yes, yeah, show me this, show me this. How's this going to work? Actually, I take it back. Not twenty years. The last time my mouth was in awe like that was the Mad Max stand, Sandstorm yeah. sequence in Mad Max. <laughs> right, right. That was just like, and the music and everything. But this yeah. was just wonderful. You guys haven't seen Saltburn yet, have you? No, no. My mouth was like that oh, in Saltburn for okay. other reasons. Okay. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And how they set up that scene where you, you see the geography. You yes. see, you know, who's it? The the Austrians, right? Or was it the Russians? No, it's the Austrians. Yeah. The Austrians. Yeah. Coming in. You see the positioning of the French army. You see that Napoleon and his men are not with the French army. You're yeah. like, hmm, what's going That's on here? That's right. That's right. Um, and then he enacts his battle plan. The cavalry charge. He unleashes the cannons and it's just like, like clockwork. Boom, boom, Brilliant. boom. So satisfying, yeah. yeah. Very Game of Thrones as yeah. well. Oh yeah, yeah. When when the um, Austrian guy um, you know clears the snow and sees the on ice, the audience are like, "Oh yeah. my god!" Yeah. 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 You know, and you know something's coming. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. 
So that was your moment as well? That was my favourite moment of Napoleon. My favourite gladiator moment is Mm -hmm. the scene that we've um, spoken about briefly before, which was the very first time that the centurions or the gladiators are in the Colosseum. Oh, it's the smaller Colosseum. It's Mm -hmm. the very first time. And they're standing in the waiting room, in the green room. And he goes, have any of you been in the army? And they go, yes. And he goes, let's stick together. And they're like, cool. I actually... My heart sings because they're working together, yeah. and I love watching that. And the on-the-fly kind of where da da da, and where we're behind each other, and so on. And then just the thrills of that, where the chariots come out mm. and they start to win, and they bust the horses, and everybody rolls, and they kill the thing, and the woman gets sliced in half. That is a great <laughs> scene, not just for the gratuitousness of it all, but it's thrilling, and also it's a sign of. Um, if we work as a team, yeah, you know, it's, character I re- it's really lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that moment in the very, very first, um, you know, the, the crappy arena fight. Yes. Where uh, he's a gladiator for the first time and you see all those like super nervous people. There's a guy soiling himself. Yes. And then all you see is the swing of the flail yes. causing the light. The sound slows down and goes vroom. Yes. Vroom. Boom, the doors burst open and it is on. Like, yes, my gosh, I agree. What lovely filmmaking. And then you're just thrown in yeah. with the gladiators into this arena of chaos. And it's terrifying as well because yeah. in that moment I thought, oh my gosh, if I was in that front row, I would be wetting myself yeah. because the minute you're out there, you are dead. Yeah. And that's the same with Napoleon and all of the war scenes. Everybody mm. at the front is screwed. Yeah. Mm. So if you're not in the second row or preferably the 13th, it's a terrible place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoy our podcast, consider signing up to our Patreon. Cinema in Context patrons receive access to exclusive minisodes, opportunities for one-on-one discussions about films you love, and our extended episode catalogue. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash cinema in context. You can listen to Cinema in Context on SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode and give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, which is our end of year wrap-up. And until then, no hora mai!